how the heck are you? I'm going to start with a Twitter question, since that's uh, something that we always do on this show. All and right. from at office underscore monkey, who says, how have we spent our summers? How have we spent our summers? I'm not watching Manchester United. Uh, well, until the last couple of weeks, of course, with the pre-season tour. Uh, it's been all right. I've uh, uh, What have I been doing? I, I went to China for a very short period of time. I flew through a hurricane to get there. How brave I was. Uh, I watched a little bit of the Women's World Cup. Not very much. I've been watching some cricket. Other sports do exist, apparently. Splitter. Splitter, I know. Uh, and I uh, know, no, no, really what I've been doing is uh, is uh, watching the clickbait articles that you've been posting on the uh, summer transfer market over on Bleacher Report. Not one clickbait article among them, thank you very much. Um, uh, the I've, I can't believe you've missed the main event, the Rankcast summer outing, where we went to Hyde Park to see Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was an interesting event, that. We haven't really talked that much since it happened. There were a lot of young people there who all seemed to be having a jolly good time. Yeah, are you, are you not a young person, Paul? I don't think either of us could even remotely pass. Yeah, it starts sounding a bit seedy when you, uh, a couple of uh, middle-aged guys go and hang out with uh, 80,000 uh, teenage girls. <laughs> but your wife was there, which kind of gives you a built-in respectability. It does. Ish. <laughs> yes. I watched some of the Gold Cup. Not the Gold Cup, the Cop America um what some of the women yep yep some, some of that was all right up. yeah i kind of really enjoyed angel di maria's free-flowing performances at the beginning of that tournament and then that all went a bit sour in retrospect but yeah it's been a lovely summer i've enjoyed having a little break from the podcast it's uh lovely to be back but it does feel like a really long time since we've done a, one of these so apologies for any ring rust that you may encounter over the next hour or so it's been a pretty momentous summer in terms of the changes in personnel that have happened. I, I think when we uh, we convened at the end of last season and predicted some of the ins and outs, I'm fairly certain we didn't predict any of the people who are coming in that have come in. No. Well, maybe Memphis, because that one had already happened. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, spot on with that one. No, I don't think we predicted Bastian Schweinsteiger. Uh, certainly didn't pre- predict Sergio Romero. Uh, Morgan Schneiderlin, there had been some talk about that. I don't remember us actually talking about him or not. I, I, maybe I said, uh, or was this in a another form of media, that I wasn't sure he was top five in the world material. Well, we did have that conversation. We did. Uh, Matteo Darmian, uh, none of us predicted oh, that one. I'm so excited about Matteo Darmian. What a player. What a player he looks, Ed. Yes, well, let's reserve judgment for the real thing. But uh, he's had a very good pre-season. He seemed to have slotted into the side straight away. Although, uh, some strange comments from uh, Louis van Gaal midway through the tour that suggested he was uh, he was only for the bench and, uh, and Tony V was going to start the season right back. Surely that cannot be the case. I mean, I always thought that quote was taken a bit too literally. He was talking about need two players for every position and said he's Damien's come to play the second position for Antonio Valencia meaning to be the second right back in the squad not necessarily to be the second choice right back in the squad and indeed Van Gaal has confirmed that Damien will start against Spurs as long as he's not injury free and uh, he was first choice in every game on tour Valencia had a little injury which was convenient because Damien looks infinitely more of a right back than Antonio Valencia ever did. Well, that's right, yeah. So why don't we start uh, with a little conversation about those uh, five signings, what we think about them, and then we can uh, morph into the tour. Uh, I guess the biggest one of the summer, Memphis aside, 
Bastian Schweinsteiger. Uh, that I actually I was kind of surprised there was a, a certain amount of negativity uh, in the the social media sphere about this one. Why? I have to say it was a lot from other fans of other teams rather than necessarily from United fans. What I, what I saw from the negativity, I, it just goes back to the it's a conversation that you and I have had. If they had signed Paul Scholes at the age of 31, if Paul Scholes had gone to Bayern Munich at the age of 31, nobody would have been upset about that, right, apart from us. Um, it's an immense signing. He's so amazing. There is the injury problem, and I think that that is the one caveat. Not his age, really, because he's still got plenty of years ahead of him playing the style that he does. This is not a Van Persie situation where, you know, there's likely to be a rapid decline unless something physically changes but he has missed 50 games through injury over the past two seasons yes yes he's also played 80 odd so um it's not as if he doesn't play at all so look if they can fix them the minor problem he's got now which i don't think is with his knee anyway so um he'll be all right uh, there's there's nothing in his history before those last two seasons that says that uh, he's he's long-term crocked or susceptible to injury he's of course getting on and and uh, that's just what happens. So, I mean, Van Gaal now has three players he can play in that kind of defensive role, or four if you count Blint, although uh, I'm not sure some of his performances last season in that role really make him count as a defensive midfielder, but he's got Carrick, Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin and Blint. Plenty of cover in those defensive positions. He played two uh, in every single game on tour, although he has sort of-ish kind of confirmed that United will be playing a 4-3-3, which of course they didn't in any of the games on tour. But but um, to get back to the, the point, Schweinsteiger can fit into any of those systems. He he can play box-to-box, he, he can hold. He's going to be an excellent addition to United's squad, however many games he plays. You know, he's got that kind of leadership thing that uh, you feel the squad really lacks. Rooney said it himself. He said he'd already been talking to the young kids and helping them along and it was clear that he was a real leader. And he speaks great English as well, which is uh, very useful. You could see it within two minutes of the start of the second half of the game against Club America when it was basically Schweinsteiger and the kids, right? That was the, it was like me and you at that Taylor Swift concert, (laughs) Schweinsteiger in in the heart of that midfield, surrounded by teenagers. And he was just straight away telling them, directing them. He he kind of pointed something out to Lindegaard early. He's just, he just carries himself with such an aura and he looks so happy to be here. (laughs) Like every photo of him beaming from ear to ear, just absolutely delighted to be a man. United player which is right. it's just one I mean it's what a what a contrast to Angel Di Maria at the beginning of last year kind of so regretful about having left left uh, Real Madrid right yeah no he, he does seem again a bit like you and me at the Taylor Swift concert <laughs> directing the teenagers telling them what to do and delighted to be doing it as well uh, <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, he he told Bayern that he wanted to leave. He wanted a new challenge. Uh, he's come to United for, I mean, I suppose you'd say £15 million or something like that is an awful lot of money for a 31-year-old. But, but in the market as it is with uh, the amount of money that's available to English teams, I suppose it's a kind of, you know, mid-priced capture. Uh, he's going to give United three very good seasons, I'm sure, maybe more. I'm sure as long as he stays fit enough... It's going to be a, a really crucial part of United's squad. I mean, suddenly we go from uh, you know complaining about United's central midfield for year upon year. I, we rebroadcast them 
old uh, rank casts over the summer and one of them was five years old and we were moaning about central <laughs> midfield and we didn't stop for the next five years and now there's eight players who could play in a central midfield role mm, and a lot of them are very good there's at least four of them who you'd be totally happy to have in there some very good players and Marouane Fellaini <laughs> bless him Marouane back up to Wayne Rooney Fellaini as he is officially known this season we'll come on to the that whole situation we'll talk tactics and we'll talk uh squad depth and all that sort of thing as we go through but let's uh let's let's talk about another signing like 10 out of 10 signing for me Schweinsteiger there's no downside it's a plus 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 in the kind of signing column Morgan Schneiderlin I think is a very good signing you've not been so hot on him but I I think he's really good. That's my take on that's my that's my uh, nuanced take on Schneiderlin. Is his hashtag numbers are amazing. Like his passing, his character level accuracy, his range of passing's good. He's he's quite creative with his passing too. Like he's he's less conservative than Carrick with his passing in general. And he he loves 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 to stick a tackle in. He does. He gets very good numbers on the tackles. We will see where where Schneiderlin goes in terms of you know his real quality because. It, the, the big test will be if United get through into uh, the Champions League, likely to come up against another very big European side given the seeding situation. And and those will be the kind of games that um, really, you know, Mark Schneiderlin out as a good player or a very good player. So those and the top games against the top teams. And we've not had that yet, right? So it's a little hard to say they can definitely do that uh, for United in the really big games, of course. You know, he, he had a very good season for Southampton last season. Really, my only quip about Schneiderlin was that I'm not sure that anyone would rank him in the, the top uh, sort of handful in his position in the world. That said, having captured Schweinsteiger and have Carrick and Daly Blint, you've got a player here who's got plenty of energy. Uh, you know, he's, what, 25, 26 or 25, right? So loads of legs do running for some of the older fellas. And um, I think in terms of the balance of the squad, it's going to prove a very good signing. Yeah, absolutely. That's a solid B, right? B to B plus for me. Maybe even nudging up to an A minus, but we'll see. So so 10 out of 10 for Schweinsteiger yeah. and uh, A minus for... for Schneiderlin, if United captured Messi, what would that be? Oh. You, you're getting into spinal tap yeah, areas yeah. here, aren't you? Turn it up to 11, absolutely. Um, I guess Schweinsteiger, the reason that, that he's like A++++ for me is he fills a need that has been just a void that's been there for years on end. Like leadership in the centre of midfield. It's like quite an important concept in football, isn't it? It is. And we just haven't had any for absolutely ages. And now we've got one of the absolute best. Right. So right. that's it's just that's what it's a match made in heaven, potentially. Of course, the consequence of uh, Schweinsteiger and Schneiderlin coming in, uh, say that after a few pints, uh, is that Ander Herrera seems to be frozen out again. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, it's hard to say that after four um, uh, preseason games, but he's he's not been starting those games, and it doesn't feel like he'll he'll be starting against Spurs. Maybe Van Hull will surprise us in a uh, in a four three three. I think Herrera's got more of an opportunity than if they play that four two three one because there's really only one attacking 
uh, spot there that Herrera could play. So um, we'll see. Such a shame for a player who's, if this happens, if he is frozen out or gets less game time or, or spends much of the season on the bench, then such a shame for the player who was your player of the season last season. Yeah, he's certainly the outfield player of the season, no question. The Herrera situation is interesting and I think people's, there's a, there is, there has been the most remarkable collective freak out over the last sort of 72 hours and, and Herrera's not starting in any of those those preseason games is problematic and let's talk systems later in the show but it is likely that he's it's going to be a while before he's regularly playing for United but I'm going to be shocked if he's not absolutely banging the team pretty quickly well we'll, we'll see I mean it really does depend on on the system as you say so if if, uh, if Memphis is going to play at number 10 then he's not getting in the side Herrera if Memphis plays on one of the, in the, one of the wide areas pushes Ashley Young out the side, for example, then then Herrera's got an opportunity. And, you know, that's it. Anyway, so we've got Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin. We've talked about Darmian. We, we covered Memphis. Let's do Darmian in detail. All right. Because we touched on Darmian, but I think this is a absolutely... This is the kind of signing, as, as has been pointed out in various places, that United don't make or haven't done in recent years. In recent years, United have not gambled on this sort of player. They have, in fact, waited until he goes to another club, proves himself, and then bought him for a fortune. That's what's kind of happened with with a player who's like done very well at Torino. In a way, Damien is the kind of the smartest right-back target on the market this summer, as far as I can tell from the relatively little amount I know about these things. There's not a, a more nuanced and intelligent decision we could have made than signing Matteo Damien for that right-back spot. He's a defender first, as Van Gaal pointed out at his introductory press conference, but he's no slouch getting forward. Like he, He'll definitely bomb down the wing and he played wing back a lot for Torino last season. He did. He did. And he can play on either side. Van Gaal was very happy about the fact that he can play right and left. Although, I guess, given... Uh, Luke Shaw's return to fitness, went away to a fitness training camp in Dubai over the summer and uh, Van Hals called out Luke Shaw as a potential to have a great season. So uh, I guess Damien won't be needed there, but he can if we need him. But I think you're right. It's a, it looks like a very smart piece of business from United. He's he's just the right age. Uh, he's an Italian international. I mean, people expressing doubts. You don't normally get 15 caps for Italy when you're not at one of the really big clubs if you're not a good player. Um, and, you know, um, I, I think we spoke over some of the, the few occasions on which I'd seen him before. He looked like a more defensive-minded defender to me, just like, you know, cursory look. But his stats uh, don't look like that at all, right? If you just look at the numbers, he puts in a hell of a lot of crosses, gets a de- decent amount of assists and scores goals too. So I think uh, all round, he'll fit into Van Hull's philosophy, he works hard for the team, he gets forward and back, loads of energy from that right-sided defensive play uh, position. Um, I think he's going to be a very good purchase for United. Yeah, and I think he'll play a lot of games, barring injury. I think he'll be first choice at right back all season. That's my suspicion about that, because I don't think, unless his form dramatically drops, I, I don't think Valencia's got what it takes to kind of overtake him in the pecking order, really. So, yeah, I, I think that's a fantastic signing. Um 
we signed Sergio Romero in the middle of the night. That's what happened. It was, you know, they're, Amer- they're all in America and they did the announcement in the middle of the night and you kind of lots of people in this country woke up to it. The Man United Twitter account saying, if you missed it in the middle of the night, we signed Sergio Romero, like literally under the cover of darkness. I have forgotten that happened so many times since then. When you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, I'd forgotten. And then I was slightly surprised when you said the five signings we'd made because I forgot again. He's obviously not been brought in as a replacement for De Gea, but a replacement for Victor Valdez, who Louis van Gaal spectacularly threw under the bus in the summer. Wow. I mean, threw under the bus and then reversed over him. (laughs) Man, he just destroyed him. (laughs) He did. He does not work to our philosophy. Yeah. um, So, yeah, Valdez is out of the club having played one game. The amazing tweet, the tweet of the summer... Valdez's dot 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 question mark hashtag respect of just the pictures of the under 21s games he played presumably Van Gaal also asked him to play other under 21s games which he was not so keen on playing in yes uh, apparently so yeah well Victor Valdez has not moved yet so he's still a United player because he's got another year left on his contract (laughs) I wonder if Ed Woodward will try and squeeze a fee out of that one him and Anders Lindegaard just hanging out together picking their noses (laughs) yeah he posted a selfie of himself in the Old Trafford dressing room the the day she's like yeah come on you reds <laughs> was he was he on the club tour no he was not on the club tour anyway Sergio Romero uh, very strange one I mean he had a very good world cup didn't he a couple of summers ago or a summer ago feels like a couple of summers yeah. ago uh, but he's barely played any club football for two years he's he's he was a substitute at Sampdoria all last season and uh, Monaco before that uh, so he just doesn't play any games which is Apart from international games. Clearly okay, because he's not going to play any games for United or being well. Uh, he's certainly not. I mean, maybe I guess he's a uh, career number two. I mean, this is classic Van Gaal, right? He knows him as a human being. And because Romero's background is AZ Alkmaar when he was Van Gaal's number one there. <laughs> Basically the last time he was a number one. Yeah, it's a kind of you can't get too hit up about a backup goalkeeper signing can you no and let's hope david's uh david de Gea's focus is back on track didn't quite look like it against paris saint-germain did it <laughs> we'll, we'll come um, on to that so yeah let's hope uh, romero doesn't have to play too often i mean look it's it's really hard to make any kind of judgment about a player honestly because i don't watch a lot of italian reserve football because there isn't an italian reserve <laughs> league uh, but if there was, I wouldn't watch that either. Um, so, you know, I haven't seen a lot of him other than uh, in the World Cup, in which he did all right. You know what? Mentally, I always assumed he was kind of short. He just doesn't look like he's got a lot of stature about him. Looked his stats up on uh, Wikipedia. Six foot three and a half, face specific uh, there. That's quite tall. Do you think he went in and added the half himself when somebody... Probably did. Six foot? Yeah. He's had a lot of time on his hands, to be fair. There is an amazing video on YouTube of his most spectacular bloopers. I, it's quite long. There's quite a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah. Anyway. Sergio Romero, a signing for, uh, for his human being qualities. Interesting commentary about Sam Johnson, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, actually, Johnston played more minutes than any other keeper on tour. Yeah. And um, look good too. And like, did, did fine. Yeah, he did totally fine. And you know, he's a young keeper. 
would it harm him any to be United's number two? Um, I, I, you know, I guess Van Hal doesn't have enough faith in him to do that, so he looks like he's going to spend the season on loan at Preston North End. Well, I mean, maybe he has too much faith in him to do that, and actually, he needs to. He perceives that Johnson needs to play regularly at a higher level than reserve level to develop. It's a very long time um, since the keepers come through United's youth team to yeah. make it into the first team. I mean, Gary Walsh did, but really, he only played because of the the uh, European rule around. A number of foreigners you could have. I remember that famous game. It was Gary Walsh who played at the Camp Nou when United lost 4-0. Was it? Right. I think so. Anyway, not a lot of keepers come through United's academy. No, but, you know, Sam Johnson is beloved at Preston as well because he was really important to them getting promoted last season. So it'll be, he'll be loved if he goes back there. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I I now have an irrational hatred of Preston. Why is that? Uh, because David Moyes on his podcast interview with... Uh, <laughs> you've heard this one. Uh, talks very glowingly about Preston and uh, anything David Moyes likes. That podcast was amazing. So there's this two-part interview with Graham Hunter. The, the Graham Hunter podcast, which is extremely worth listening to if you like podcasts about football, which presumably you do. Demographically speaking, that seems likely. It's really good. There's a fantastic one with Gary Neville. There's a really enjoyable one with Jamie Carragher, who is... I couldn't, I couldn't listen to that. I, I don't speak dolphin. <laughs> it's really good. It's well worth a listen. A fantastic one with the comedian Kevin Bridges. I think that might even be my favourite one so far. But then there's this two-parter with David Moyes, and the first part is all right. The first part is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember David Moyes. He's a good football man. Then the second one, he starts talking about Man United. Just like all the hairs on the back of my neck standing up, my teeth set really on edge as he sort of like pretends he's taking responsibility while actually doing everything he possibly can to diffuse himself of responsibility. Yeah, it's the bit where he's talking about Everton and having time to build and facing young <laughs> players. And Yeah, we know where you're coming from, Dave. Just stay in Spain for a while, like a good long while, like 10, 15 years. <laughs> Listening back to the, the Rank Coast rebroadcast about the end of the David Moyes era, never heard two people more giddy about someone getting sacked in all my well, life. Well, the Rank Coast broadcast about Alex Ferguson's final game and we talked uh, at length about David Moyes. Interestingly spot yeah. on, I thought, in our analysis of David Moyes' failings. Mm, there was a bit, though, where I said, I'm not going to turn on him if the results aren't good after six months, though. That was a bit upsetting. But in another one of the episodes, you called Yaya Toure average. <laughs> um, so, yeah, take everything we say in this episode with a healthy pinch of salt if you weren't already planning to. So that that's our summer signings. There's been a lot of players out and all, hasn't there? There has been a lot of players out. Robin Van Persie has gone. Well, eventually. <laughs> very, weird, very strange transfer. <laughs> unveiled to... Um, a, a hysterical crowd at Fenerbahce um, and then um, someone realised they hadn't actually agreed a fee for him yet. <laughs> brilliant. But that's why Robin Van Persie thanked Ed Woodward in his uh, pre- in his kind of announcement press conference, presumably, because Woodward was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll sort out the fee. It's not going to be much. Just go and enjoy yourself kind of thing. I don't know if he was a proper negotiator. He then turned around and said, £25 million. <laughs> Fenerbahce had already taken a Manchester United legend before that in Nani. Um, or more accurately, Fenerbahce had already taken a player who's had one good season at Manchester United in, 
in Nanny. And the crowd went absolutely nuts for the Nanny announcement. I was just thinking, if they end up getting Van Persie, what are they going to do? Turns out, one of them's going to crowd surf at the airport. Very nice, yeah. Good, good, good fun for about you. Yeah, fantastic warm feelings around the club, which is why Van Gaal was happy that Van Persie had ended up there. Do you think they'd take Fellaini? I don't. I don't think we can afford to get rid of Fellaini at the moment. For reasons we'll come on to. So, uh, who else left? A uh, bunch of kids. Anyone else important? Raphael hasn't no, left yet. No, Johnny Evans. Presumably he will do. Johnny Evans hasn't left yet. Presumably he will do. I know it lo- well, sounds, looks like uh, Everton have some interest. I guess that depends on what happens with John Stones. Uh, Tom Cleverley's signed for Everton. He, he has, not Villa. No. The Robin Van Persie transfer. I mean, Nanny. Good luck to him. I don't think we need to cover that really. Although, what was interesting to me, writing something about Nanny when he left, was that he really, injury really scuppered him. Like his real poor form, it started with an injury in 12-13. So he missed almost all of the 12-13 season and then had to try and come back to fitness in that first David Moyes, well, in that David Moyes season. So there is some mitigating circumstances that I hadn't really put into context But he was frustrating when he was playing brilliantly. So, you know, when he wasn't playing brilliantly, it was real bad. So, Nani's gone. Good luck. Yep, Angelo Henriquez has gone. Finally signed permanently for Dinamo Zagreb. Ben Amos has left, went to Bolton. Right, now. He took his time, didn't he? Yeah, he he did. Ben Amos is 25. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? It's really... uh, That's the same age as as Schneiderlin. Yep. Yeah, Tom Thorpe left uh, yeah, that's... to Rotherham. That's an interesting one. I think a lot of people thought he might get an opportunity at United, but he didn't. And there's something interesting to me about the fact that it's Rotherham that he's gone to, and it's not like a Premier League club's gambled on him or anything. So I, that's a kind of interesting one. I wonder exactly why that is, that he's had to take a step down a level. Yeah, well, because he's really not played any Premiership football yet. Um, yeah. And then the bunch of loans, and then the other permanent one was Sadie Janko, who's gone to Celtic, and which reminds me, I did... Promise Scott Zena a thousand words uh, analysis on Sidi Janko. Oh dear. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Oops. A uh, good player, uh, of course, United's uh, reserve team player of the year a couple of seasons ago. He was. Uh, a lot of kind of talk about him getting into the first team. But again, I think when fans as a collective are really hot on a player and then they get kind of stroppy that United let him go. I always am interested in what the destination club is because when Paul Pogba went left to go to Juventus, it's quite different from Saidi Janko going to Celtic or even at a different level, Robin Van Persie going to Fenerbahce. What do you think of the fact that we've got rid of Van Persie, Ed? Well, I think in truth, as we said at the podcast at the end of last season, it's it was probably the right time to let Robin Van Persie go, wasn't it? Injuries had caught up with him, age had caught up with him. He just wasn't very sharp last season. He scored 10 goals. Felt like United needed some new blood up front, which, of course, United have, um, hmm, wait there, not got. <laughs> yeah, I, I. the more I thought about Van Persie, the more sad it made me just... Like when Falcao left, it wasn't Falcao leaving that was sad. It was the death of the dream of him one day coming good. And the idea that Van Persie could have another good season in him after that first season was such a a dream. And I wrote a kind of, uh, I don't know, basically just a, a love letter to him over the summer when I was asked to look at some of his highs and lows and picked out a few lows of, over the last few seasons. But just looking back on that first season and... and literally not since Eric Cantona has a player made so much difference in his first season at United. Of course, Cantona transformed the club for decades to come. Uh, Van Persie didn't do that. But 
you know, worth every single penny of the price of admission, uh, the price of his salary over the subsequent two years as well, just for what he did in that first season. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you know, if you if you're a bean counter at Old Trafford, you might not think it provided great value for money. I mean, no. twenty four million pound. Uh, transfer fee and what was it you know near 10 million pounds a season in wages so that's like more than 50 million pounds committed uh, to Van Persie for one good season doesn't feel like great value for money but you know hey that was Ferguson's last season it was a gift to Fergie exactly well worth it for that yeah that if ever you want to definitely win the league that was the season to do it so it was anyway uh, final big name departure you mentioned him already Falcao no, no surprises there He's gone to Chelsea, though. That was a little bit of a surprise. Bit annoying, frankly. Bit annoying. Seeing video of him saying, I'm happy to be in Chelsea. And I was like, boo! <laughs> I thought I believed. Uh, what's he going to do at Chelsea? Like he, He's going to sit on the bench and hope Diego Costa gets injured. But even if Diego Costa does get injured... Which is quite likely. Isn't Loic Remy like a better choice than Falcao now? Probably, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's very low risk for Chelsea. No fee involved. I mean, maybe there's a loan fee. Uh, Monaco have some FFP problems. They're desperate to uh, get him off their wages. And um, Chelsea apparently did a deal on the wages as well. So very low risk for them. And maybe he'll do well, maybe he won't. Yeah, we'll see. The high profile, two high profile departures which have not happened uh, at the time we're recording this who knows at least one of them probably has happened by the time you're listening to this let's start with Dave because when we last convened to discuss these matters I'm pretty sure both of us assumed by the time we next met to do it there'd be a David De Gea shaped hole at Manchester United but he's still there in body at least he is still there for for a couple of reasons one United decided to play hardball and uh, so did um Sergio Ramos, uh, over a contract with Real Madrid that he looks like he's going to sign. What a surprise that one was. Well, no, apparently he's really annoyed with the stuff I've seen today. He's really annoyed with Marco for saying he's going to do a deal because no such thing has been agreed. So we'll see. It's amazing, like... um uh, commenting on the commentary from Marker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see you with, with that one. He's certainly not signed for, Un- for United Real Madrid. Don't seem uh, keen to lose him, at least. Let's say that. So United have played hardball with with Dave and, and he, it looks like he's going to stay for a season, you know. And I guess he'll be off to Real Madrid next summer on a free, unless there's some drama. And then the second reason is that the uh, the first choice alternative, Hugo Lloris, broke a bone in his uh, wrist and won't be ready for the new season anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would not be at all surprised if sometime in the next uh, month it all kicks off and Ramos comes to United and De Gea goes to Madrid. I, I still think that's a definite possibility, although it is looking less likely than it did. But it seems that United can be taken at their word, or the, the the stories coming out of United can be taken at their word, that they were only prepared to do a deal if there was a player involved as well and, and weren't interested in a cash-only deal because uh, they didn't feel like um, the cash would be useful enough to them uh, versus keeping De Gea for an extra year. Given the fact that the Euros are in 2016, I think everyone assumed that De Gea would be uh, reasonably professional although there's an interesting subplot in this because I believe my understanding is that the uh, way you get cup tied from European competition is if you play in a qualifying round and your team makes it to the uh, the main tournament then you're cup tied but if your team is eliminated you can play for another team in the competition 
which does raise the interesting possibility if we play him in goal in the Champions League qualifier and he chucks a couple in the net to not get himself cup tied. Yeah, which he pretty much did the other night. Yeah, he did. Um, yes. It's it, a really shocking display that was, wasn't it? I mean, he's kind of short of match rhythm, as they say. Yeah, I, I wonder how much that... I mean, yeah, yeah, fair enough. It's, it's funny, at the start of last season, we spoke about David De Gea's focus not quite being there as well, didn't we? Um, he didn't have a great start to the last campaign. Obviously, he had... A brilliant nine tenths of the season, so yeah, I'm I'm not feeling like I want to rush to any judgment. If he does start at United, everyone says he's been totally professional, so he's going to have to wrap his head around it. Um, otherwise, he's going to have a crappy season. Yeah, and he's he doesn't want that because it's the Euros, and the Spain shirt is definitely up for grabs. And also, I don't think he wants that because it's not. I don't think he's leaving because he hates Man United or anything. He's not Angel Di Maria. No, he's not. Another player who hasn't gone. At least hasn't actually been transferred out. But presumably, you know, where he actually is, nobody. he's not here. Is he with you? Uh, I looked under the bed. He wasn't there. Yep. Uh, I think he's probably okay. under a Buenos Aires-shaped bed. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing scenes. Uh, Van Gaal played this one quite smart, I think, because the vast majority of United fans seem to just think that Angel Di Maria is some sort of evil ne'er-do-well now. I I feel like saying he doesn't know where he is is quite smart PR, really, because it definitely makes it look like the player is kind of behaving as a rogue agent rather than uh, someone leaving because they hate the manager or whatever. Well, quite, yeah. I mean, I I think up to the point that uh, Di Maria went on strike, uh, there was, uh, which is pretty much what he's done, there was a, a kind of split view, wasn't there? And plenty of nuances in this de- debate, of course, you know, around his form and the break-in and his mental state and Van Gaal's use of him, some very, you know, very loud critics in the media about uh, how Van Gaal has used Di Maria and, you know, he's kind of not got the best out of him and, and all of that kind of stuff. So up until that point, um, there was a more nuanced debate when Di Maria decided to go on strike then it kind of, that's all blown away, right? By by the fact that he's just not able to be professional enough, even though it's, you know, United seems to have decided that um, they will transfer him out. They're listening to him. They're going to take a, you know, a substantial enough loss on the deal. Uh, kind of. Ish, yeah. It depends whether you count it in pounds or actually in the currency they're spending, which is euros, and then it's not that big. And also, even if you count it in pounds... If you amortise it, it's not an actual loss, is it? It's not a loss on the books. No, no, no. It's not a loss on the books and uh, it's probably going to work out about 9 million euros worth of loss and uh, and nothing in the books. None of the accountants at Old Trafford will be too worried. It will be used as a, a headline, of course. But anyway, you know, the, the point is that that's the only thing we can think about now is, is Di Maria and his antics. Yeah, which is like, it's kind of interesting. I, I mean, you know, I definitely think that the blame for the Di Maria situation like excluding the last couple of weeks is fairly evenly distributed. Like, as you said, I think it's kind of a worry if we can't get the best out of Di Maria, that that doesn't speak great about Van Gaal, but then Di Maria has demonstrated a kind of pretty terrible attitude. What's really interesting about this to me is it's actually really out of character for Di Maria to buckle under pressure because his whole career is really filled with examples of people writing him off and him really fighting back. You know, anyone that comes from South America to Europe to play their football, this is quite a 
brave thing to do. You're leaving your home. It's thousands of miles away, etc. He was kind of regarded as too skinny and all that kind of stuff early in his career, but he fought that and, and grew into a really substantial player. And he was written off at Real Madrid and then left as the kind of uh, man of the match in the Champions League final and a beloved hero of the fans at the club kind of thing. So he's a player who's like proved his kind of mental strength and determination time and again. But, but this one, he just did not, want it and and more than anything it felt the the conclusion that I would draw from the whole thing is just that he never really wanted to come to United it was always second choice to Paris Paris stayed in touch all the way through and as soon as the FFP thing kind of eased for them that was it yeah and it sounds a fair analysis yeah Uh, and would explain a lot of the 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 reasoning behind Van Hull stripping him out of side you know perhaps uh, they were just better options Uh, when it came to the really big Games, the really big decisions, Van Hod just didn't trust him enough. And uh, maybe he had greater insight into the player than we understood at the time. You know, certainly the actions over the last couple of weeks kind of point to that, don't they? So um, I don't think there'll be too many tears. There are tears for the, the loss of talent. I mean, this when Van Hal talked the other day about needing more pace and penetration and creativity up front, which is, you know, there's still a gap there. Uh, and it's going to be a Di Maria-sized gap. And the sadness is that he never brought the best of Di Maria to United. And it, it, what a player he could have been for the club. It won't be. And when, he, when he's you know, absolutely blazing in the Champions League next season and sticks a couple past United in the, in the group stages... You know, it won't be good, will it? It's not going to be fun. He's not going to get a good reception back at Old Trafford. I was kind of wondering whether what how Falcao would be received, and I can't imagine he's going to get particularly booed or anything because it's not like he's gone to City or Liverpool. It's only Chelsea. But uh, Di Maria is just like he's just made himself a Carlos Tevez level hate figure over the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I can't think of another player who's actually gone on strike. While at United, no, no, it's it's really remarkable. It's really been a very odd. The whole thing's been very odd and slightly surprising situation. I, I don't think I ever would have expected to come to this. I really expected him to stay and fight. That's that was what I really expected him to do. Not not based on nothing, but just based on that kind of a few quotes of his and and his history of fighting back and and making it. But I wonder whether you know, a maybe he's just what well, had no interest in that. Or B, maybe he had a conversation with Van Gaal about, look, where do you see me in the se- in the side next season? You know, it doesn't seem like that's the sort of thing that would have happened over the summer, but, you know. Hey, if United are going to play a 4-3-3 this season uh, and you need an attacking player in that 4-3-3, Dean Murray is your man. <laughs> yeah, although I guess it's, it's before... Let, let's just do some... Since we're on transfers, let's do some transfer speculation now because tell you who else is your man, especially if it's a Van Gaal 4-3-3, is Pedro. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of looks like it's going to happen. It seems to be the one that United have uh, fixated on, just waiting for the Di Maria transfer to go through. He's got a reasonable buyout clause of £22 million. When is £22 million reasonable? When I'm searching down the back of my sofa, obviously, yeah. So, seems reasonable. It was a strange player, though, Pedro. I mean, you know, there's this part of me just feels like, oh, really? You know, such a, it is a step down in class, let's be honest. You know, he, it, it's, uh, it's nearly four years since his peak. Peak Pedro, he scored 45 goals in the 2009-10 and 10-11 uh, seasons. 
um, over those two campaigns. He was absolutely brilliant from the left side of a front three for that Barcelona side, you know, best side in Europe at the time. And and it's not been the same since. And, you know, in in many ways, if he feels like a... A limited player. He's he's not technically brilliant. He's but he's got bags of pace. He scores goals. He gets into the right uh, places. He's a he's a system player. You know he will play that system that Van Gaal wants to play. He'll stick on the wide left and he'll cut in and he'll score goals. Right. So um, he will. I'm sure if he comes to United, and it seems like he will do. I'm sure he'll do very well. Um, he's not in the top three or four players in the world. Far from it. He'll be an upgrade on Ashley Young, I guess. It's interesting one, isn't it? Because you would have said about Alexis Sanchez, all of those, or some of those very similar things, right? That it's not a super, he's not super elite. He's in that next level down. But he absolutely lit up the Premier League, didn't he? Well, he did for six months, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, if we get six months like that out of Pedro, hopefully we've got the squad depth to kind of, you know... One of the things that's interesting is that this is the area, and I wonder whether it's part of the reason why the club have been so prepared to let Di Maria go, is this is an area of the pitch where we're stocked with talent, with emerging talent, with a potentially very high upper ceiling on their, on the level that they could get to. It's all unproven, and Di Maria's absolutely proven, um, although <laughs> turns out not in the Premier League. Um, but, you know... Yanazai, I don't think writing Yanazai off was a particularly good idea after one bad season. He's had a, a really good preseason and he was with Shaw on that kind of fitness mission over the summer. Shaw was kind of trying to lose weight and Yanazai was trying to bulk up, apparently. Pereira has looked electric over the whole summer, not just the, the preseason tour, but he's just had a brilliant summer. He was excellent at the under 20s World Cup and then really, really superb that the, the the kind of the brightest talent in the the young United firmament on that on that preseason tour and Memphis, of course. Yeah, I mean Pereira's been excellent uh, on tour. It really feels like he's now an established part of the first team squad. His trouble is getting into the side. I mean, maybe there are more opportunities in wide areas than in central midfield. I don't think he's going to be given a run at number ten, and there won't be a number ten if United play a four three three. He can certainly play one of the the wide spots in that attacking uh, unit. He's very good coming off the left. Um, played quite a lot of games there for United. I mean, he's one of those player, players who likes to drift into a number of positions. So if United do lose Di Maria and didn't buy Pedro, he would probably get a decent amount of opportunities in the coming season. If they do buy Pedro, he's then competing with Memphis, Young, uh, and uh, Yanazai and Mata, of course, for those those sort of wide positions. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, that's just an example of how well stocked we are in those areas, and that's that's the thing about those positions. None of them are of the proven class of Di Maria, of course, but as as said previously, it's all very well to have proved your class, but he just didn't at United, did he? And I. I I was really hopeful that he would in the season ahead. But that is almost certainly not going to happen now, isn't it? That would be a hell of a turnaround. That would be a Rooney the next day, the day after we recorded that podcast that one time level of turnaround. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, even more than that, I think. So, yeah, that's not going to happen. The other big hole in the squad, I guess, um, or transfer that hasn't happened, mm. uh, is a striker. Oh, well, uh, oh, And back. a defender. Yeah. And a I was... Well, so United will go into the season with one striker. Uh, I, I guess you'd call it three if you count Wilson and Hernandez, but, you know, one senior striker that we uh, we sort of trust in 
sort of, in Wayne Rooney. And of course, Daley Blint spent, well, every single game on tour playing centre-half. A bit worrying, that one. Uh, Van Gaal has confirmed that, barring injury, Blint will start at left centre-back against Tottenham as well. This isn't a fleeting experimentation. This is Van Gaal wanting a ball player first at the heart of defence. Slightly odd decision. I would have thought that... It's interesting that he wants a defender first at right-back, but a footballer first at centre-back. Kind of wonder isn't that meant to be the other way around but Van Gaal's got some funny ideas and his use of centre-backs is one of them yes definitely some funny ideas uh, I think Harry Kane versus Daley Blint ought to be interesting both for pace and physical prowess on the opening day of the season I, I would be very tempted if I was an opposition manager to start targeting Daley Blint a little bit you know so you've got three players in the back four there who are not good in the air Blint sure and Darmian uh, Darmian's pretty good in the air he's a big lad for a fullback. Darmian is Mm. Like he's tall lad for a fullback at least. He's a tall lad. I'm not sure he's good in the air. But yeah, that's a, a slightly peculiar decision. And you wonder, okay, so left centre back, looking at the squad, Marcus Rojo seems to be the natural fit for that position. Right centre back, looking at the squad, Chris Smalling would I would have thought have been in the pecking order ahead of um, Jones. Whether whether Van Gaal thinks Jones is somehow a better match for Blint in some way, or I don't know, but but Jones done himself absolutely no favours in that game against Paris Saint-Germain, where he was uh, at least half culpable for the first goal and basically entirely culpable for the second. Yeah, I mean, he was spinning around in circles, uh, left on... Very dizzy by Ibrahimovic, wasn't he? You know, uh, he, he didn't have a good tour at Jones. Let's be honest. No, not well. Damian had a good tour and Shaw had a good tour, but I'm not sure the other centre backs did. So, yeah, really odd one. I mean, you know, if I was picking a, a back four right now, I'd have Rocco and Smalling in there. Of course, Rocco's not made it on tour either. Different, different problem there. Uh, apparently, uh, didn't get his passport back in time from uh, renewing his visa. Um, but yeah, I'd go for Smalling and, and Rocco, a couple of proper defenders. But it looks like we're getting Blint and Jones. And yeah, it could be some fun and games there. I bet Smalling will start with Blint. That's that's my my bet on that. Because I, I think he was very adamant about the other three positions in the back four. And he didn't say that Jones would start. And I just can't see him over the next week and a half going, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you know what? I will start Phil Jones. Because you say he was left dizzy by Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which if you didn't see the tour game, probably makes you think Zlatan Ibrahimovic did something amazingly cool and you know Zlatan-esque but no he just strolled in behind while Phil Jones totally ignored him that's uh that was what actually happened um so yeah I I'd be surprised to see Jones in that starting 11 but I would have said I'd be surprised to see Blint in that starting 11 if uh if Van Gaal hadn't said that's exactly what's going to happen so it's kind of reassuring really it's kind of comforting and familiar in a sort of Alex Ferguson sort of a way that he's making <laughs> a bunch Tumbola. of yeah exactly super yeah. weird decisions I mean it's Blint Blint's the one that kind of worries me I, I do think he's targetable I mean, look, he's consistent, Blint. He's mediocre in every position he plays. So harsh. So harsh. Anyway, you know what? We haven't actually really talked about the summer. We've kind of drips and drabs. I mean, the football wasn't great, was it? Club America, pretty dull game, that one. Uh, San Jose Earthquakes, better, although Van Hull was pretty critical of some of his players after the game. Barcelona, now that was fun for 45 minutes, wasn't it? And then Paris Saint-Germain was not good. The second 45. Well, okay, so I thought that the, there was loads of really nice football in among the dross. There was some brilliant interplay between Matter and Memphis, which got me really excited about the season ahead. Yeah, they do feel like they've got a partnership. They really do. Uh, the, 
probably won't play together. We're playing a fourth. Well, three, okay. So, yeah. so you've mentioned this four three three quite a few times, and uh, a, fr- a friend of the rank cast at Eddie Truly Reds uh, was the person that asked Fangal this question in the press conference. Really good question. There's loads of questions about you know player transfers and stuff. It's really nice to ask the question that I wanted to hear answered, which was what system are United going to play? And Vangal said we're going to play a four three three. And he said, as we have done last season, which that's the part that's interesting to me, because I can definitely imagine Van Gaal describing the formation that we played on tour as a 4-3-3. Even though it's a 4-2-3-1, as we would see it, or maybe a 4-4-1-1 even, if Young's on the left. Van Gaal also called Memphis a midfielder in that same answer. So actually, I'm not sure that in his mind... You, they're not just interchangeable descriptions for three three one with two holding and one with one holding. Yes, well, that's the big difference, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, yeah, it is absolutely. But I don't know whether Van Gaal's necessarily committed to playing four three three with one holding and two going forward, and you know, two left sided attackers. I mean, two wide attackers. Yeah, we'll see. Um, uh, it will. It will certainly be an interesting um, formation against Spurs. I mean, of course. In all honesty, I think about nine or ten of the players are definite starters. So we can almost pick the the team right now. There's just a couple of positions. You know, Schweinsteiger's fitness will um, decide whether he plays or not. Uh, and then it's that right centre-back. There's a big discussion to be had on on that. I mean, on the tour, every single game, same exact formation. Hybrid 4-4-1-1 f- or 4-2-3-1, depending on what you want to call it. And... You know, really, that's about the line of the wide players, right? Whether Which one of those it is. Are, are they level with the number 10, which they are when we're out, when we're in possession? Or are they level with the central midfielders, which they drop back to when we're out of possession? Particularly on the left-hand side. Mata was incredibly fluid from the right wing, coming in the whole time. And in the second half, we played with the kids. And Lingard, Pereira and Yanazai all kind of alternated number 10, wide left and wide right. Yeah, you'd almost say the kids' team was the more exciting team. Oh, without a doubt. Like, against Barcelona, the kids' team were just absolutely electric, weren't they? Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, the, the funny thing is they might not get that many games this season. We'll see. I mean, I really do hope Yanisai gets a, a game or two. I mean, from talking from what Van Hal said, it seems like he's going to be given an opportunity at number nine. Um, rather than in one of the wide areas, he can play right across there because he he played a lot of games at number nine for the reserves. So it's certainly an uh, area, you know, a role he's played before. Uh, Pereira, we'll see. We spoke about him a little bit. Lingard, I can't imagine he's going to get a lot of football. I'd assume he'll get alone. He's so good in preseason again, like third preseason on a trot. That Lingard's been really special looking player, and and he's getting up to the age where if it's not a Premier League loan, you know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Are we really going to loan him? Do we think he's going to develop enough in a season that he's going to then break into the United first team ahead of the other players we've got in that position next season? It's kind of interesting spot he's stuck in, really. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sure he'll make it at United. I think that's the, the answer, and he'll probably go out on loan somewhere. Right, rather than be sold. Um, yeah, or be sold. Yeah, right, OK. The Club America game, there was some... Nice. There were some nice moments. The, the San Jose game, there were more nice moments. And that Barcelona game was just like, just like the, the two goals scored by the kids were just totally breathtaking. I don't want to start the season on a massive 
a predictable note here, right? Maybe you can maybe guess what's coming. But I'm a little bit worried about our centre-forward situation and pre-season didn't really do too much to make me feel super comfortable with it. I think... Let's just say he was feeling a bit rusty and relaxed from a nice summer away. Okay. Or, or he's just a bit shit. <laughs> what, one of the two. Not sure. What do you reckon? I think somewhere in the middle. It was hilarious watching Memphis Depay's uh, next-level, mind-blowing first touch. Like his first touch, Depay's first touch is like some elaborate trick with the ball quite often. Um, and Rooney's first touch is still just, it just is what it is. I think the general assumption is that you play Rooney up top all season, he'll get 20 goals. I am not totally convinced by that assumption, but I would be delighted to be proven wrong on the kind of slight doubt front. To me, his mobility doesn't look right and his first touch doesn't look right. And I Well, his first touch hasn't looked right for five years, but yeah, he doesn't look very mobile. I mean, that does he he needs a lot of games, Rooney. So um look, I he up front he could well get another twenty goals. That'd be across great. Across all competitions. <laughs> I'd be I I tell you what, you know, I'd I'd be happy to have a bet with anyone for a, a pound right now that he won't score 20 in the, the Premier League. He's only done that twice in his career. So, And and both those times were when he stayed relatively injury-free and played a number nine all season. Well, I think the latter of those is definitely going to happen. You know, he's, if he plays, he's going to play at number nine all season, isn't he? You know, that's there's nowhere else for him in the squad, really. There's too many players everywhere else. Yeah, right, right. Um, and, and that's the right position. It's the only position and it's where we'll get another season out of him. Of course, if he doesn't have a good season, then you've really got to say that there's, uh, there's not a lot left in Rooney. You know, we'll see. Uh, he's played so long. He's played more than a decade in the Premier League now. Um, and at such intensity uh, in his style of play that you do start to think burnout is going to happen. Yeah, but we've also been saying that for a couple of years and it hasn't fully kicked in yet. So maybe he's got one more brilliant season out of him because you know, as you say, he's only scored twenty goals, twenty league goals twice in his career. But 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 he's only played at number nine for two seasons in his career, essentially. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that correlation. You make him the main goal threat, he'll still do it. But the last one of those was three years ago now, uh, and that's a long time, right? Right. So is Hernandez going to have a brilliant season? <laughs> is Yanazai? I don't know. The the. The number nine sort of pecking order is really interesting. I mean, Van Gaal, obviously, because we were touring the tours in America, so he was asked about Hernandez in almost every press conference. And he said Hernandez has a, has more chances this season because we don't have Van Persie and Falcao anymore. So he's basically intimating that they'll keep Hernandez. Fair enough. Will Hernandez be happy to play second fiddle for an, another season? He, he's done it for three years in a row now. So he's... he's- Pretty much played second fiddle for his entire career, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he wants to play every week, he's got to drop down a level. Uh, I think we all know that now. So it looks like United are going to keep him. It's his last year of the contract. I mean, who knows? I mean, a couple of seasons in a row, we've had sort of fireworks in the last couple of weeks of the the transfer window, haven't we? Mm. Well, you know, Fellaini. (laughs) And then some fireworks. And then some fireworks. Uh, so let's not bet against it. I mean, once United have got rid of uh, Di Maria and brought in Pedro, there's a net spend of what, you know, what is it this summer? 50 million or so net. 
and uh, you think there's some more left in the kitty. Yeah, you would imagine so. Uh, the other thing when we're talking about strikers is I think Fellaini will play some games at number nine this season. Definitely some <laughs> some halves of football at number nine. You, I, just you look at the squad structure and you, you if you're going to keep Fellaini, there's no room for him in midfield anymore at all, basically. We've completely obliterated the need for Fellaini in deep-lying midfield positions anyway. If he plays that 4-3-3... He's still Fellaini's got to be down the pecking order for that those advanced midfield roles because we've got so many good players in those roles now. I mean, Schneiderlin specifically is like a fantastic Fellaini upgrade in that role because he does all the physical stuff, but you know is on a different level technically. And so yeah, the big lumping number nine. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they'll play him left wing and just hit those long crossfield balls. Stick Rooney in midfield again and uh, off you go. Yeah, maybe so. Ex- God, th- wouldn't that be great? We will not see a Rooney Hollywood ball this season. It was so funny against Paris Saint-Germain. Driven to distraction by his team's inability to break down Paris' parked bus. Uh, about the 87-minute mark, Rooney just t- t- sprinted back to the halfway line and pinged the Hollywood ball to the right wing. It's almost like a, you know, just just desperate for that fix of that Hollywood ball. He played four full games without playing a single one and you could see it physically hurting him by that point. Very good. All right, so have we covered pre-season and transfers? I think so. I think we have. A couple of other things happened during the summer. There was a minor kerfuffle at FIFA HQ. Uh, I found this quite funny. Don't know about you. Amazing that you picked you like you'd already decided which rank cast you were going to rebroadcast just because it was a nice round number and it was episode fifty and it was all about FIFA corruption and it was the week that it all kicked off. Yeah, very amazing coincidence. Yeah, uh, I mean there was just some classic stuff has happened here. Not, not only have um, the FBI acted and uh, issued arrest war- warrants for sort of seven FIFA executives stroke marketing company executives uh, blatter sort of resigned or laid down his mandate at some point in the coming months uh, looks like it's next february it's a very long walk long long goodbye isn't it but it looks like there's going to be some significant change unless michelle platini gets voted in and then there really won't be yeah i mean you know is the culture going to change with a change of personnel that's the big question really well it might do if the fbi are breathing down everyone's necks because not really too many fifa exco members want to do 20 years in sing sing no it's amazing that america just destroyed fifa it's just like oh we don't like football shut up except now they do like football of course they do they're crazy for it and, uh, yeah. and as as soon as uh, that that one was worked out the fbi swooped <laughs> to save football <laughs> Or something like that. So that was quite funny. Yeah. I, did, I did think uh, Blatter's press conference when he laid down his mandate was um, interesting. He, he looked uh, sort of, you know, sort of beaten as he wandered off into the light. Yeah, but then he's still there. And he kind of at one point was talking about taking back his uh, decision to resign. It would be hilarious. Well, uh, you know, if, if you're going to be a cynic, you'd say he's he said that so he can go to the, the, uh, the ex Exco General Assembly or whatever it's called uh, next February, and and the members will demand he stays. Uh, you can imagine Blatter believing that to actually be a thing that might happen. Actually, you can believe that might be a thing that might actually happen. Uh, FIFA released a movie about themselves, which grossed twenty. Oh God, twenty pounds and sixpence. This? No, but you have, haven't you? I have. Yeah, I mean, um, 
the the hyperbole about how bad this film is 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 not understated. <laughs> so I mean, it's a it's a ninety minute awfully scripted, terribly acted advert for FIFA in which Blatter plays the anti-corruption hero. I mean, you couldn't make this up except somebody has. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. You know what? After that, I felt like shooting him in the gut. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah. Enjoy that, Mr. Orange. Is it Mr. Orange? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, so the FIFA stuff happened. The the America won the Women's World Cup. I really enjoyed the stuff of the Women's World Cup. I saw, and there's been there a, some good stuff. A huge yeah. boost in the popularity of women's football tickets. Uh, ticket sales are brisk for the start of the season. Just goes to show how important high profile things are. And and right. yep. maybe sometimes broadcasters have to be a little bit ahead of public demand. Have to kind of have a kind of mandate to generate some public demand and not just be reactive. And actually, maybe that's really awesome. So right and. And, uh, and during the World Cup, one of the best finishes of the whole summer came in that semi-final from the England defender into her own net. Oh, I thought I was going to say, do you mean the final? Because there was literally a goal in a World Cup final scored from the halfway line. That was pretty, pretty good. That was pretty good. Not as good yeah. as that toe poke in the semi. Oh, so harsh. So harsh. There you go. That was, that was, it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. It was a good summer. Like the, the, that two day spell when we bought all the players was very exciting. And I'm pretty confident we'll address that centre back position between now and the end of the transfer window. I'm still going to be surprised at this point if we don't. Because although we've had a good transfer window, we've not bought anyone that Edward Wood could get super, super excited about. Maybe Schweinsteiger a little bit, but you know, the, I feel like Woodward's not going to feel like his job's done, is he? There's, there's not a worldie in there yet. No. I mean, there is. Schweinsteiger is a worldie, but he's just a specific type of worldie, isn't he? He's not Thomas Muller. I just like the idea that every day he rings up Bayern going, 100 million and one? 100 100 million and two? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, it's extraordinary money, but um, Muller would come into the club as the club's (laughs) best finisher, best passer, hardest worker, real leader. I mean, you know, there there are some people on this planet who don't think he's a good player. Uh, There's something mentally wrong with them. He's He's a fantastic player. And would be an awesome acquisition for United. Can't see it happening. Especially since they sold Schweinsteiger. They'd just be rioting in the streets of Munich if they sold both of them in the same summer. They don't need the money. No, exactly. But at some point, like Pep doesn't really like Müller and they don't really get on very well. And Müller definitely doesn't really like Pep. So... Yeah, but they're going to do a season and Pep's off yeah, to City that, next that's season. True. So, that's true, hey. it's true, it's true. So, let's do some predictions. Let's lay a marker down. Let's make a bunch of mistakes about what's going to happen in the next nine months. Who is going to win the English Premier League, Edward? Oh, dear. Norwich. No. That's incorrect. That is the... No, it could happen. It could happen. It couldn't happen. Uh, I think Chelsea will win the English Premier League. Just. I think it's going to be much, much closer this season, though. Yeah, I think also think that Chelsea will win the league probably that's probably what I think will happen as well but I I think you're right I think the top four are going to finish within nine points of each other probably that's my guess yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's hard to say what is a good season for United. A good yeah, season was, is winning the league, of course. Of um, course. Definitely have to qualify for Europe. Top three, as Van Gaal said. Not, top top n- no, three. No qualifier. I, I think in terms of points gap, maybe that's a better way of, of judging the gap. Maybe a five-point 
gap to the eventual winners would be accepted. That just it just sounds wrong. It does. It, it, it just does. sounds wrong because the ambition for United has to be to win it, not only win it but win it by as many points as possible. But uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Then again, if United do buy a world class central defender and a world class forward. Mm. Then you might say that that the real title challenge is on. I mean, if we buy a world class centre back and a world class forward, the title challenge is definitely on. I just think it's very unlikely we're going to buy both of those things because I don't think the club's ready to move on from Rooney yet. And you can't buy a world class forward right now unless you're deciding to bench or shift Rooney. You know, maybe you play four two three one with Rooney at number ten and play Memphis on the left and Def off Young and all the kids. Um, but that's the only other way it's going to work. So I think world-class striker is just not on the docket. I think you're right. Yep, yep. So, um, so yep, I don't I don't think United will win the league. Uh, I think sort of a five-point gap would, would represent good progress. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think I don't, I definitely don't write off our chances of winning the league this season. I think we're way better placed to do it, even if Di Maria goes, depending on who replaces him, maybe even if De Gea goes... So long as a centre back comes in, that's there. We're still net stronger than we were last season. Say like Sillison and Ramos come in and De Gea goes. I'm not necessarily sure we're too many points worse off this season than we were last, just from the defensive unit because you've got the upgrade at right back. You've also got a kind of upgrade at left back if Shaw is you know has worked on his fitness and kind of mentally handled the step up and is going to keep himself injury free a bit more. You've got a stronger back four than as a unit, so you can you can take the hit as a, at goalkeeper, um, and especially since that back four is in. Yeah, if they bring in a good goalkeeper, I mean, let, let's not get into a situation where we're we're in a sort of Tim Howard, Roy Carroll battle of me- mediocrity between Romero and Lindegaard. That would not be good. Yeah, no, you're you're right, but I'm you know assuming like Sillison or Loris or someone of that level comes in, you know. So, yeah, uh, who is going to be Manchester United's top scorer this season? I don't know, Chris Smalling. <laughs> I quite like it. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be Rooney, otherwise United aren't finishing in the top three. quite like the idea of Memphis scoring 25 goals off the left wing, but uh, I'm not sure it's going to happen. I don't see it happening in England, yeah. Yeah, I'd be really surprised. I mean, I think he will get goals. Uh, if he gets double figures, that would be a good good haul from him. And, and, you know, if he gets double figures and Mata gets double figures and Rooney gets 15 to 20, um, I think we'll be scoring more goals than we did last season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, At Machine Gun on Twitter says, given that Memphis is playing number 10, uh, which he thinks is clever tactical planning by Van Gaal because it allows Memphis to be free from his defensive duties, but I'm not sure that his kind of lack of history at playing in that position isn't counting against him but anyway um and that Adnan is now a striker apparently do united need an extra winger do united need to bring in two more wingers or does uh, pereira take the fourth spot uh, i think pereira takes it and i think pedro comes in and young is used as cover that's what i think yeah so i guess pedro young yanazai pereira Memphis represents plenty of options and talent in wide areas. And matter because that's, and matter, you know, that, yeah. that false right wing is here to stay by the looks of it. Look, does look like it. And he's, look, he's perfectly good when he can come in off that right wing into the number 10 slot. Uh, when he's not so good is when he's stuck out on the, 
the touchline, uh, which has happened in some games and at some moments during the tour. Yes, the Premier League's top scorer this season. I think it's difficult to look beyond Costa again, really. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I guess it depends on fitness with him, but uh, I, I'm sure, you know, if he stays fit, uh, he's going to score a, a boatload of goals again. And uh, I'll go for uh, Di Maria got most assists at United last season with 10 in the league, which is not a good number to be your biggest assist maker really who do you reckon is going to have most assists uh, by the end of this season yeah god that's a tough one I mean uh, Memphis doesn't actually clock up loads of assists if you uh, if you look at him Pedro won't either no Matter might matter matter might he didn't get double figures last season though so he didn't only only maybe he will if he plays consistently in that role where he's getting into number ten but uh, you know I mean I tell you one thing that's not going to happen this season United are not going to be banging in crosses all the time no no absolutely there's nobody really in the team that does that except for Ashley Young and and he's a one trick pony where he cuts in on his right foot and then curls it to the back post not having that he's a 1.3 trick pony as discussed at length on the rank cast last season third of the time he goes outside probably less than a third of the time anyway um, uh, yeah Young's future somewhat under uh, some scrutiny uh, he hasn't signed an extended contract another thing that happened in the summer of course is that both Smalling and Jones signed extended contracts. Um, they did. Uh, Jones repaying the faith uh, with uh, some outstanding performances in the summer. <laughs> Poor old Phil Jones. Isn't he good? I, he's not. I, I'm very confused about Phil Jones. I think I'm not very good at deciding whether centre-backs are good or not, basically. I, I just think for someone who's got all the tools in the locker, if he could just stop being a total, total calamity. <laughs> that would We'd be all right. It would really help, wouldn't it? So that's predictions on that. Who's going to win the Champions League this season? It's hard to look beyond Barcelona just because they were so good and they won the treble last season. The, the thing is, no one ever retains the Champions League. So let's, uh, let's call it Real Madrid. No, let's not call it Real Madrid. Cristiano <laughs> looks like he's going to play the season up front. Cristiano Watching said, Ra- I demand to play the season up front. Watching Real Madrid in pre-season was absolutely hilarious. Every time they cut to the touchline, I was just like cracking up laughing. Just watching. Like, what have they done? Why would you do that? So do you reckon it's November or October before the White Hankies come out? I mean, it just seems like a, such an un-Real Madrid manager. I mean, I know he's got a history with the club and, and everything, Benitez. But, uh, when you know, when, when, when it comes to the pressure moments with Benitez, he goes defensive. And that's not going to be acceptable at Bernabeu. Absolutely not. If he stays past January, I'll be somewhat surprised. But you never know. The player power at Madrid is such that he might just not be able to go defensive. And he's got such a kind of... Uh, array of attacking talent there that even he surely won't think defensively but you you know that's what Benitez does isn't it so you'd you'd think that he would Guardiola at Bayern that's going to be kind of interesting presumably his last season there um yep very very good purchase in uh, Vidal if they can keep him fit yeah uh, yeah very good replacement for Schweinsteiger um bought him for less uh, money than United offered last summer interesting one that isn't it you wonder whether well yeah, I've just no idea what that one was all about, really. Why they didn't take the money last summer. Maybe they just believed in the unit and then this summer they've kind of upgraded in other areas. It looks like they've held on to Pogba. I mean, maybe it's too soon to say that, but he's still there for now, isn't he? So, you know. Yeah, he is much to uh, Manchester City's chagrin, but um, I said that on a podcast. 
City have spent £49 million on Raheem Sterling. I, I think that is an extremely good signing for them. I think that given the FFP doesn't really matter anymore and they've got unlimited money, so the actual value doesn't matter. He's really good, Raheem Sterling. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's what a waste of money because he's kind of slightly gone off the boil at Liverpool. But Liverpool were terrible for most of last season. And Yeah. No, I think he's a very talented player who just needs to work on his finishing. But, I mean, given he's scored a bag, of, bag load of goals already for City in the summer, well, three, um, it, it looks like uh, maybe that'll work for him. I, I'm sure he'll have a very good time at City. So, unfortunately, yes, FFP uh, apparently has collapsed or at least... They're not bothering to enforce it anymore. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Given that we want to spend all the money nowadays, though, that maybe it'll work in our favour. You never know. Anyway, any other important predictions? Who's going to be United's player of the season then? Uh, uh, that's a tough one, isn't it? So Pretty sure we both said Di Maria last yeah, season. Yeah, so that worked out well. Yeah, it's not going to be Di Maria. It's going to be, you know what, heart overhead, it's going to be Juan Mata. He's going to have a fantastic season. Maybe. Ish. Yeah, I, I would love to do that. And, and heart overhead, that's who I'd go for. Maybe even heart overhead, I might go for Herrera. But I don't know, maybe Bastian. Maybe this could be the season of... Of course, Van Gaal, we know, has already said it, it shall be the season of Shaw. But we'll see about that one. If your left back is your best player, then then uh, I'm not sure that's a good sign. We've had two seasons of our goalie being our best player, so it's, it would represent some degree of progress at this point. Blint at centre back asks Jordan C. Peterson, brilliant or madness? Madness, madness. I mean, it, it's certainly going to help United's distribution from the back, which is of course uh, Smalling's weakness. Not that Rojo is a bad passer or anything like that. He's pretty crisp with his passing, um, so United will play out for the back very nicely. Uh, and play through midfield very nicely and we'll have lots and lots of possession all of the time. It's just that ability for opposition players to target him. That's the that's the concern, really. Yep. Um, at Yippers82 says, can I ask Ed uh, to explain amortisation, clearly for people that don't get it, specifically regarding Angel Di Maria? Yeah, it's easy. So you buy a player for £50 million on a five-year contract, you write down the value of that £50 million over the length of the contract. Uh, so if he didn't sign another contract, he would be worth zero on the books by the end of his five-year contract. Yeah, so thereby the amount that he was... The, the loss we're going to take on him is pretty much what would have been written off against his contract over the course of the past year. Yeah, it depends whether you're an accountant or you're a football fan <laughs> uh, or, or a member of the fourth estate. Either way, who cares? It's, you know, I was going to say it's not our money. Um, it's about 24% our money uh, in terms of ticket sales. Uh, and most of the rest of the money is broadcast and sponsorship. Yeah. At Anmol Bajaj 92 says, uh, when will we stop being a tool for players to get better contracts? Uh, Never. Just included this question to tell you a funny, funny story, really, which is that Schweinsteiger was on his way. He was he was on the plane. It hadn't been announced by the club, but it was, you know, it was at the kind of definitely happening stage. I texted an old work colleague of mine with like just Schweinsteiger in capital letters. And he just texted me back going, mate, I'm sick of this. He's never going to sign. We're just being used as a bargaining chick. I'm like, look, look, look. Here's an advert that Beats by Dre have put on, uh, put out about him moving to Manchester United. It's like, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it until I see him wearing this shirt. I mean, you can understand that one. <laughs> Um, yeah, especially 
uh, with Otamendi, who we talked about at the end of last season, and uh, Nicholas Gaitan before that. Um, <laughs> uh, solid reports that United are, are seriously annoyed about being used. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, you know, Otamendi has not signed a new contract at Valencia or anything like that, has he? He's, uh, you know, still apparently wants to leave. Who knows? So, do you think playing Memphis through the middle and matter on the wing actually works or will ever work? Asks at Ander-esque. Uh, yeah, totally. I think it's totally viable because Mata doesn't really play on the wing and actually comes in and links up really well with Memphis from what we've seen so far. Um, I think that's a really viable option and that uh, Memphis's kind of trickery and running in the centre of the pitch is really useful there because it creates a whole bunch of space for other players potentially. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I, I would say that in some situations where you're facing a team where they close in the fullbacks mm-hmm. and play a very narrow and deep back four that that's the wrong way mm. around um, and uh, United will want to push Memphis wider there we'll see I, I think it's going to actually be quite easy to defend against United at times given the balance of United's attack and there's not much a much other option then again there's plenty of talented players who can win a game with a piece of talent but I, I do think we'll see that as a pattern this season I think we'll see a lot of teams defending within their own 18 yard area yeah absolutely it's happened time and again and it's still that's the big thing we've got to work on because that's that's the thing that United are vulnerable to now hopefully the fact that we're theoretically quite a lot less vulnerable on the counter-attack this season given our midfield additions might mean that teams are a bit more reluctant to try and do that against us but if they're just coming to try and get a draw they'll be they'll be happy to at Nick McCory 85 asked a question which I think I'm only including because I feel like it captures a sentiment of a certain percentage of, of United fans and it says how did the transfer window start so well and looks to have ended so badly and I just simply don't understand this I think this is something to do with the kind of immediacy of of popular culture nowadays that it's like as soon as something's dropped out of people's minds you know as soon as it's not present in front of them it somehow diminishes in value because I don't see how the transfer window has turned into a bad one I think if we don't sign a centre-back that's a big issue not addressed but we were never going to get everything right this this summer. We're never going to fix everything. And we fixed a lot more than I was expecting us to. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, I, I think it's because it's played out like a narrative now. You know, you, you talk about races and, you know, clubs competing for players and, and all of that. And, you know, there's just so many column inches and blogs and websites and clickbait and, and all of that to fill, isn't there, that... um that there's just a, a huge focus on it. I mean, the thing is, you do not win any trophies in the transfer market. No one's collecting a medal for biggest transfer of the summer or anything like that. Um, and as we know, it goes right up to the window because everyone at the end of the window, because everyone is looking out for the best possible deal for their client or for their club or for themselves. So anyway, um, anyway, you know, We'll see on the centre-back. Uh, it looks like it's definitely not Otamendi. He's not a Mendes client anyway, so, you know. Uh, are we still friends with Mendes after Falcao and Di Maria and uh, da- David De Gea? What, why is Otamendi not happening? Why do you think it's not happening? Because the club keep briefing everyone that they're not interested. <laughs> OK, maybe that's why then. Um, friend of the rank cast, Liz Moore, at Liz Worsley, who's changed her name but not her Twitter handle yet, Congratulations, Liz. I hope you and Ben have many happy years together. Not at all bitter that you didn't invite me and Ed to the wedding. Um, your friend of the rank car status is not being revoked. Although there was discussion at a high level about that, but we've 
you know, we've decided. Uh, especially since your mum invited me to the Scottish bit of the wedding. So that, that was nice. She asked, will we buy, be buying the new kit? I am a 38-year-old man. I am not buying a football kit. I have one football kit. It's my one from the 1999 Champions League final. <laughs> uh, and that's the one I will be sticking with. I, I'm, I'm a bit... I, I quite like the kit. I, I do quite like it. I, I like the classic three stripes. It feels nice and 80s. And, uh, I, you know, I like the Adidas logo on there. There's two things I don't like about it. The Chevrolet logo. Yeah, not going to... Not nothing we could do about that. You put that on a Gucci bag and it would look cheap, right? <laughs> Not that I buy Gucci bags, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Um, it's just something, I wish I'd just get rid of that nasty, cheap-looking gold thing and just go with the letters. Yeah, but... That would spending, be nice. It's not... and, and the other thing I'm not sure about is the kind of, the, the thick cuffs. Yeah, the kind of cuffs. cuffs. On the arm sleeves, yeah. Not sure about those either. Okay, I, I think it's nice. I think it's the nicest kit we've had for a really long time. I do quite like the look of the third kit, this black one with sort of red stripes. Although I think the stripes should be white, just from a design aesthetic. Interesting. You've thought some feelings about this subject. I just think it's been really entertaining watching all these kind of like people of gentlemen of a certain age from a certain cultural background being super excited about Adidas being back in town. It's like... It's got some very good associations. Of course, uh, as we speak, the kit hasn't actually been launched. So, you know, we know none of this, of course. Could look totally different. It's the worst kept kit launch ever. They're building up to their huge launch Uh, and, uh, yeah, everyone's seen it for months. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an Adidas kit and they all do look kind of similar. They do. Although I like the colour on this one. It's a bit different, a bit more, a bit of a kind of nod to the 80s and and Manchester, I think. Anyway, um, that's enough fashion talk. I'm definitely not qualified for that conversation. What I might be qualified to do is guess the starting 11 against Spurs because I think pretty much any of us could have a reasonable guess at it. So I'm going De Gea, Darmian, Blind, Smalling, Shaw. I'm going to guess, I think the one midfield position's up for grabs, but I'm going to guess Schweinsteiger, Carrick definitely in the other one, although I suspect this Mike Carrick's last season at United where he starts, where he looks like a guaranteed starter given his age and the kind of upgrades in that area we've made. Depay, Mata, Rooney, and in my Bleacher Report article, I put uh, Andreas Pereira, but I think actually it'll probably be Ashley Young. I just it will know. definitely be Ashley Young. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the only question mark there for me is, is Schweinsteiger or Schneidlin. Yeah. Um, because we're not quite sure about Schweinsteiger's fitness or match rhythm because he's not had much preparation time. <laughs> he did get 45 minutes against uh, Paris Saint-Germain, though, so that's that was something. Uh, um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see on that one. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Schneider. I would be surprised if it's Herrera, which is a shame because it should be. You should It should be one of Carrick and Schweinsteiger with one of Schneiderlin and Herrera. Every, every time for me, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely have Herrera in that side and, and I'd be tempted to push Memphis into a, a slightly wider role. As yeah, a absolutely. Um, or I would just F off Carrick at this point. Because um, you would just f off Carrick, no, death off Carrick, death off. Okay, um, that, I was going to say it's a bit harsh. But you're a Carrick fan. I am. I mean, there are many, many fans who've been saying f off Carrick for years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm not one of those. The Spurs game is going to be a very tricky tie. I mean, presumably we'll play and play in a behind closed doors match between now and then. There's been apparently talk so. Of that. Um, but we. 
They need it. Four games doesn't feel like a it's lot. It's interesting, isn't it? Because for years we've been talking about the players getting like burnt out by preseason nonsense, and this season there was it was really well handled all that stuff. But the 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 real possibility of undercookedness for this game uh, is is it's there, isn't it? I mean, Rooney Rooney doesn't look ready. That's not a Rooney diss. That's a like Rooney doesn't look ready. Carrick doesn't look ready. Jones definitely didn't look ready, but De Gea didn't look ready. You know, there's there's a good few of them, aren't there? Yeah, there are there are a good few of them. Look, I thought the tour brought up quite a few questions, really. You know, about tactics and and who are the best players for the best positions, and some of the holes in the squads, and how much uh, how much of an opportunity some of the younger players will get. You know, lots of positives came out of the tour. Lots and lots of positives, and the fact that United didn't crisscross the continent for four weeks or something and, and do commercial uh, work in the morning and the afternoon and then a light training session, you know, was good, right? Um, and that, that was all down to Van Hal specifying the tour to the nth detail, even to the point that the last minute United pulled out of a sold-out 70,000-capacity stadium and then played down the road at the 20,000-capacity stadium, you know? It shows you how much control that Van Hal now has, you know? So much, much better from a a tour and a logistical point of view, but definitely a few questions arising from the fact that a lot of players haven't had much game time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that that moving of the ground so the team didn't have to travel forty five extra minutes was pretty extraordinary, wasn't it? You know, was uh, that that was really heartening to see, um, and it was heartening to see the club give in to that demand. Really, it just. It does demonstrate a tremendous faith in the manager. And Woodward did a little interview with MUTV where he talked about working with Van Gaal and, you know, he clearly has great regard for him. And you can see why. And the players seem to have that regard too, at least the ones that are in the camp. Like, you know, Schweinsteiger worked with Van Gaal before and look how happy he is to be working with him again. So, you know. So, do you have a prediction for the Spurs game? What will Duncan Castles be writing in his headline? Come Sunday morning. <laughs> What's happened to him over this summer? He's taken it to a new level. He's always been there, but the Duncan Castle Man United campaign is in full effect at the moment, isn't it? It, it is amusing to see. He's he's turned into a professional worm, which <laughs> is a wind-up merchant for those uh, not familiar with the term. Yeah, really, really odd how aggressive he's got with it. The oddest thing is there's plenty of that on the internet, right? But he does it in a national newspaper <laughs> yeah. behind a firewall as well, which is the other weird thing. Yeah, you have to pay for that. I guess. I guess there are a degree of the percentage of the population would be delighted to pay for someone slating Manchester United on a, on a professional basis. So the my prediction for the game is a draw. No, I don't know. God, I, it's just so. I've always said this about you, Paul. You're just so negative. <laughs> I don't know, I just feel like Harry Kane against Daley Blind is not a good look. No, it's not a good look. Then again, Spurs did lose to the MLS All-Stars the other night. You know what? I am I am going to predict a win because there's no way Spurs are going to come and park the flip bus. Flip-flopper. Flip, what a flip-flop. No, it was, Stay with your no, it was an insta-flip-flop because it suddenly occurred to me, wait a minute, lads, it's Spurs. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. United are going to win 3-2 is my prediction. Oh, yes, come on. Adidas is back. High-scoring games against Tottenham are back. Football's back, baby. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know about you, Ed, but I'm delighted to be back doing the Rankcast. We're here for this season at least. 
negotiations are ongoing about the future of the podcast, but... It's like because we're in our 30s, we're always on a rolling one <laughs> exactly, deal, is that it? Exactly. Nah, we'll be around for a time to come. All right, all right. Um, we, we did have a question about... Uh, two questions. One about mugs... Um, which I'd mentioned in the summer. Uh, Mike, we are, yes. W- yes, we are. Many people responded with that exact thing. I'm looking at it. I can't work out whether it's going to be feasible or not because obviously we're not like going to sell millions of them or anything, but we might. people have seemed to want them, so we might try and work out a way of doing that. At me on Twitter with hashtag yes mugs if you want to buy a mug off us. It's not going to be like super expensive. We're not going to make money off it or anything. Or a little. Or if you'd prefer a rank cast mankini. <laughs> no, I don't want... You can hashtag Paul Keeney. At Ed, that was fully just send mankini related requests to Ed. He can deal with that department. Uh, the other thing that people want is a Rankcast live event. Now that you've shown your face on a national newspaper website, Edward. Uh-huh. This is, you know, nice. yeah. But funny thing about that is uh, I did about half an hour of filming and they cut me down to about 30 seconds of total content, <laughs> which might say something about the quality of the content. <laughs> Maybe so. But producer Tom has presumably not cut this down to 30 seconds. So thank you for being with us this hour. Thank you for being with us for the season ahead. I hope uh, it's a brilliant one for United. Um, we'll be here. Rain or shine, happiness or sadness, win or loss or any other possible outcome. Ramos or Otamendi or Jones. We'll be here. Yeah, we will be. uh, And uh, if we're not, we're probably at a Taylor Swift concert. (laughs) See you next week.